0: blessings, and today we're going to see our need to be continually aware of the riches and blessings of Jesus Christ, our relationship with Him, and so that second verse, we, we need the Holy Spirit to have understanding of those blessings, because there's so many things that attract us and take our attention away from what is truly most important, the blessings, the treasure, the riches we have in Christ, and it's my privilege to be able to point us back just for a few minutes this morning to those riches and Paul stresses it's his desire that we understand what great treasure we have in Jesus Christ that's my hope for you today the riches of understanding Christ we're now in Colossians chapter 2 and again background here Paul I'm not going to read all of chapter 1. I encourage you to do that at some point, but Paul, after his greeting, his description of the work that uh, the the church in Colossae is doing, breaks into this beautiful description of Jesus Christ. The cosmic creator, our reconciler, and then... Goes into his special role that God has given him as an apostle. That he is a servant of the church. He is the housekeeper, the house manager for God and he's God for Jesus Christ. And Jesus has given him all the wealth of things to be able to minister to the body, including teaching of Christ that he's able to reveal and the mystery that Paul so elegantly desires to reveal to us that is our relationship with jesus christ and all of that entails through reconciliation with god because of the sacrifice the shed blood of jesus christ he is able to bring reconciliation between us and god and we have that relationship then uh, that we receive all of these blessings from because As we're going to see a little bit more today, and as we continue through Colossians, there are folks that have gone into the midst of these (laughs) believers and are trying to distract them with other things, away from depending solely on Christ and taking their pleasure from Christ, putting it to other things. And so he's warning them to be careful. So Paul continues to describe his ministry to them. Let's jump back to um, chapter 1, verse 28. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, not Paul's own energy, but God's power that he powerfully works Within me, Paul says, I do everything I can <clears throat> to help people introduce them to Christ and then help them understand their relationship with Christ. The mystery that I get as Paul able now to reveal to you and to see people grow this is my heartbeat, this is my desire, this is what makes me tick. But I can't do it without God working powerfully within me. That cooperation, almost mysterious, hard to understand. We give our all, and God empowers us to do it. We didn't have his power. We couldn't do anything at all. Paul recognizes that. He continues to describe the struggle now as we get into verse 1. He's talked about the the suffering that he has gone through. Remember, he's in prison now in Rome for preaching Christ. And he is suffering, in effect, on behalf of all of the churches, that he is taking the arrows of the enemy, so to speak, and proclaiming Christ to be an example to them on how to do the same. But he has his struggle. Verse 1, <clears throat> we'll read through verse 7. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, and for those that lay out a Him, for all who have not seen me face to face that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Lord, thank you for the privilege of being able to study this passage today. Again, let us marvel at the glories and the riches that we have in Christ and let us put our effort primarily into proclaiming Christ, into helping others understand the riches of the mystery of their relationship with Christ that they can have through faith in Him. Let that be our heartbeat, as it is for Paul. Lord, in this community, let our desire be to see people trust Christ and mature and grow in Him. And let us as a church body understand even more fully as we grow in our relationship with you that all that we have, all that we need, comes from Christ. And to revel and glory in that and not get sidetracked by so many other of the world's baubles and trinkets to look at our treasures in Christ and be satisfied and content. We need your help for that, and we ask for it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Paul's been given, remember, a unique commission for service to Christ that would benefit the entire church, and remember, still benefits the church today. We're the beneficiaries of Paul's ministry. As we read and as the Holy Spirit gives us understanding. And he had the privilege to reveal to the church the full blessings of their relationship with God. With Christ in particular. And part of that was then, as he's doing with these Colossi believers, is to warn the churches of false teaching and those types of things that would distract them from the truths of serving Christ and the truths of the gospel. It seems there were false teachers and teachings that were somehow distracting believers away from jesus as the superior uniquely authentic source of spiritual experience folks the only spiritual experience that we need comes only through jesus christ that's it nothing else so paul as he's continuing this warning will now get more specific in his describing his concern with not just the church of colossi but three other local churches, one that's not named here, but most likely, as we'll see, is included in this. And he wants them to see, don't be distracted. It's through Jesus that we receive all the riches of this glorious mystery. And that's really our problem that we're addressing today, is distractions. Folks, I was reminded again this week, and continuing to study this passage there is so much that we have in Christ and so much that we get distracted by. So many other things that we seek after that have become more important to us than our relationship with Christ. We all know that experience. We all know when it happens sometimes. Well, sometimes we are unaware, and it takes a focus on passages like this to help us to see again. I've been distracted I've been putting all my efforts into lesser things. But I don't have my main focus on growing and learning more about Christ in ministering and giving, serving him. So let's be reminded this morning, the riches of understanding Christ. <laughs> understanding Christ provides us encouragement, as we see in the first three verses. Where does this encouragement come from? through experiencing God's comfort back to verse one For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. Now he's still using that language. He's talking about in verse 29, toiling and struggling all of his energy. And he's reminding and he remember as well. Let's be, let's be clear here. He's been talking about his ministry to the universal church the church as a whole. Now he's going in laser like and focusing on his particular ministry In this area with the Church of Colossae and the struggle that he has for them, but also for some other churches in the area, those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face. This seems to be a focus on behalf of the churches in Eastern Asia Minor in a valley called the Lycus Valley, and they're included there in that valley, three prominent churches, the church in Colossae, the church in Laodicea, which seems at some point to have eclipsed the church in Colossae to the point where we have, if you remember in Revelation, a specific message for that church. There's another church as well that's not mentioned here, Hierapolis. Even though it's not mentioned here, it was so entwined with the other two churches in this valley, it's most likely they received this letter as well as they continued. And Paul is making it clear here that he is struggling in ministry toil for them, even though he's never met a majority of them. He knows Epaphras, the man that probably God used to start the church, and he also knows Philemon, as we've been seeing on Wednesday nights, Philemon and his family, but he's not met most of these folks, and yet he still is struggling in ministering for them. Remarkable, Paul's commitment that he has such a burden for people that he's never met. And we have that beautiful message from Romans, the book of Romans that Paul has written. And we're so thankful that he did, but he writes that to a group of people that he had not yet met yet. And yet he still has a burden for them. And he has a burden for these folks as well. It's important for us that as in regards to our uh, um, capability to pray for people that we've never met, uh, the missionaries that we support and that we pray for. We're praying for their ministries and asking the Lord to help grow their ministries, and yet most of those folks we've never interacted with. But it's important, isn't it? Paul reminds us of that here. He's struggling in toiling. Well, this church and these churches had certainly made great strides, and Paul's already talked about this, their strengths. And um, how they've grown and how they're growing and how they have strong ministry. But at the same time, Paul does not want them to be satisfied or comfortable. He doesn't want us to be satisfied either. No matter what church we're a part of, folks, and no matter where we're at how we look out and say, I'm glad that I attend this church and we do this and this and, you know, we're doing real, real well and we're just kind of happy with the way that things are. Paul reminds us that we should never be comfortable with where we're at, but that we always need further growth and appreciation specifically of all that they have in Christ. And Paul's pointing that out because he knows that they're being tempted by other spiritual experiences and other experiences, and he's reminding them that you need to continue to grow to have victory over those temptations as those teachers are trying to drive, pull you away from Christ. And he reminds them. Now let's let's continue to verse two of the riches that we have in Christ, that their hearts, that is the inner man, may be encouraged. And this Greek word for encouraged is uh, really in, is really helpful, but you kind of miss it by just thinking of the word encourage that some translations uh, choose here. This isn't just uh, you know buck up and be happy. You know, stop, don't don't get down on the doldrums, be positive, have a positive attitude. There's so much more here that Paul is reflecting on. He's saying the inner man, this Greek word here means the deep comfort of God that can only come supernaturally through him. Paul says, I want you to experience not the trinkets and the distractions of the world, but the deep sense of comfort that only God can give. I want you to be encouraged in that way. Part of that is their unity in love together through their love of God together. A close unity of God's love within the body of believers that motivated and encouraged each other toward a fuller realization of Jesus in God's word. And that is what Paul is describing here, that we receive comfort the more that we understand our relationship in Christ, and that as a body of believers, as we are unified and showing God's love toward each other and encouraging each other, learn more of God's Word, study Christ more, learn more of the riches. That's not just the pastor's responsibility, folks. That's for all of us to encourage each other. And that bond of unity and love that we have together, should help us to desire to want to encourage each other in that way. If you have no concern for the person that's sitting next to you or behind you or in front of you, except for when you talk with them for a little bit on Sunday mornings, there's a much deeper experience that Paul wants us to have and that God wants us to experience. That being knit together is a close unity. Even that fellowship and unity that a church can have provides encouragement, doesn't it, folks? And that love that God works within us provides that deep comfort. And so the more we understand our relationship with Christ, the more comfort we have. We have a lot of other spiritual benefits as well that this understanding encourages and enables us to have. And that's the second part of the verse there. Again, Paul is not satisfied here with a partial or only a limited understanding of God's word for the local church. But he wants us to strive to continue to have supreme, full conviction and confidence of understanding and deeper knowledge of our union, our relationship with Christ. Look again at the second part, and there's so many words and phrases here to tie together and examine that it really behooves us to take time to reach to experience all the riches of full assurance of understanding and knowledge of God's mystery, which is in Christ. Hasn't Paul already said this? Paul, you're repeating yourself. We we got the message in chapter one. We don't need a reminder again. No, Paul says, I know your hearts. You're 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 doing well, but you need further growth because you're being distracted by teachings that are calling your hearts in different directions. And so I'm reminding you again a second time to be focused on our relationship with Christ. That was a mystery that the people in the Old Testament didn't understand but wanted to. They didn't fully understand the, the, the blessings that we have in Christ. He says, now you can more fully understand that mystery, that relationship, Christ in us. We abide in Christ. And there are riches, many riches to behold in that, the riches of full assurance. What is Paul saying there? Really, that word can mean conviction or confidence, and that the more that we understand Christ, again, by reading his word and understanding the truths of his word, we gain understanding. What is that? That understanding is that wisdom, that working out the knowledge of God's word practically in our lives That walking with God, with Jesus Christ every day, being able to do that, understanding how to apply God's word to our lives, and the knowledge, a further knowledge of God's word, of all that Christ is for us. And when we continue to grow in those things, folks, we become more fully assured. We become more convicted. We become more firm and strengthened and steadfast. The time that you spend in your Bible is not for loss. It strengthens. It gives us fuller confidence and assurance as we learn more of Christ. And that's what Paul wants for these people. He's the revealer of the mystery of our relationship with Christ. Paul gets that wonderful opportunity. And he wants us to always (coughs) pursue a fuller understanding of all the benefits and privileges of being in Christ. Folks, you can't just understand that whole thing about a relationship, abiding in Christ, being in Christ, and just reading through the Word of God once or twice. A new believer will spend the rest of his life or her life trying to understand how we can have that relationship or what that means. And the more the Spirit gives us understanding as we study God's Word, And the more knowledge that we have, that that knowledge means also as well, not just head knowledge of God's mystery, but knowledge that is enabling us to grow, the fertilizer that is enabling us to grow in our spiritual lives. Whenever we're involved with that, we will have a much more confident, assured walk with the Lord. Let's be honest, right? We're often satisfied with a lot less, with an anemic understanding of God's Word, really. I thought about this. I counted up all the times that you folks have to sit there listening to me, and I know sometimes it can probably get a little (laughs) draining. 40 minute Sunday school, 35 to 40 minute worship message in the morning, 35 to 40 minute message in the evening. Is that all, Pastor Brock? It seems like it's a lot longer. I count pretty accurately. Once in a while it goes over that, but that's really about it. 20 minutes of prayer study, and then maybe I'm being, I'm not being generous enough in this, but I just kind of an average, I put together maybe 20 minutes a day Bible study uh, for each of us. I hope it's a lot more than that. Now, as a pastor, I know I get to spend a lot more time in that. I understand. It's a wonderful privilege. But I hope that you're spending more. But for this illustration, let's just say 20 minutes a day. But that's only still of a hundred and sixty-eight hour week, if my math is correct. And I had my wife check that. That's still for us only four and a half hours a week. That I just described there. Out of 168 hours. Should we be satisfied with that? I hope as, as, as Paul is talking here, we're saying that Paul is saying, no, we should not be satisfied with that. As we grow and we continue in our relationship with Christ, we ought to desire to be in his word longer and to study, do word studies like we talked about with wisdom and all of these things. It's not just to the pastor, but Paul's saying all of us in the church ought to take the time. 4.5 hours, one of my sons did the math again, is about 3% of a whole week. Folks, that's not enough. That's not what Paul describing here. We need to be more engaged in his word. That 3% certainly doesn't represent a full abundance of knowledge of Christ that Paul is seeking from these believers, and we shouldn't be satisfied with that either. Paul is driving, pushing us to learn more, to study Christ more. And in verse 3, he reminds us that it's worthwhile. In whom, why should I study more about Christ? Because he is hidden in him all of our treasure. In him, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom, and knowledge and the drive of all the world is to seek after riches that satisfy right to um, fill the void in their lives with something to be involved in all kinds of extreme things that they hope will bring them joy and peace and happiness and it doesn't bring any of those things and the very thing that this world rejects a relationship with jesus christ is the only door to all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge it's all there folks the Bible makes it clear, Paul makes it clear, through Christ we have a full storehouse, that was, that's what that word treasures really talks about in the Greek, a full storehouse, a meaningful treasure that can be found. These movies that we like to watch about finding hidden treasure is always fun, and the escapades that people go through, and then they find the treasure, and you know, it's like a cave and a room full of gold and all this Do we ever feel that way about having access to God's word and finding those treasures within? Wow. Look at what I get in Christ. Look at my relationship. Look what Jesus did for me that I can have this reconciliation with God. It's amazing. We ought to be more amazed than what we are. Let's be honest. Paul is calling us to that. We get so distracted by the paltry things of this world and as God's children, with a relationship with Christ, folks, we have everything we need, super abundant for us. Well, I can even go through, you know, Paul doesn't give us a list here, but here's my list of things that I was thinking through as I was thinking through God's Word and what we're given in these riches. How about the full sacrificial love of Christ? And acceptance in him. No one else cares for us or feel like everyone else around us has rejected us. We always are accepted in Christ as God's children. How about cleansing of sin? We're not um, <clears throat> held under the conviction. We're, we're not um, under the penalty of sin any longer because we're cleansed, folks. We have a community of believers that we can fellowship and help each other grow. We can freely worship God directly without those Old Testament regulations. We don't have to sacrifice a bull to come in and we'll clean up all that mess afterwards. We have the um, wonderful privilege, direct prayer to our Father, daily guidance and direction from the Spirit, and one day a new uncorrupted body and eternal dwelling place with God forever. And you know that's just a few of the riches. You make your own list. No, Paul didn't give us a list here. We'll go back in a minute and see some things that he highlighted. But, folks, he knows that we can make our own list and we should be able to do that. We should be, we should not, we should have a better understanding of the riches of what we have in Christ. When we get disgusted and dissatisfied with life, and frustrated with things and um, complaining and all these things That's those are all signs that we're not focusing on the treasures or riches that we have in Christ that we aren't realizing what we really have speaking of not realizing what we really had you know I I enjoy you know this I I told you before I enjoy studying history I enjoy studying a lot of different aspects of history that even seem a little strange but this is one in particular um that I found really interesting. And this involves our country, but it had ramifications really for the whole world. Uh, In the late 1700s, early 1800s, um, on the East Coast and in the Midwest, Pennsylvania, Ohio, that area, there are probably other areas as well, um, folks became invested in mining for salt. And as they mined for salt in these areas, there was this mysterious oily liquid that nobody knew what to do with. It was rumored to have possible uh, medicinal qualities, but honestly, people just didn't know. It's a strange stuff that comes out of the ground. This is really bizarre. Uh, there, eventually, it was discovered. It, was, it started to become uh, called rock oil, and there was an industry that derived from the words Latin words petra for rock and oleum for oil, and they started to call it Petroleum. And as boring and drilling methods evolved to recover more salt brine from ever greater depths, they kept on bumping into this weird petroleum. They called it rock oil. Well, during the middle of the 19th century, a growing number of opportunity-oriented individuals started to feel there's got to be some sort of use for this. And so they started using it, for, like, like I said, for medicine. And then they used it for horse saddles and for horse ailments and all these things. And I don't know if it ever worked right or not. But somebody in the 1850s, I I don't have time to go through all the detail, realized that this strange oily substance could actually be used for lighting. Well, that's amazing. So there was a man named Edwin Drake that dug the first crude oil well in Pennsylvania in 1859 and distilled the oil to produce kerosene for lighting. There were other petroleum products, including gasoline, that also came out in the distillation process. But Drake had no use for these products, so he just threw them away. Probably don't want to let the environmentalists do what he did with them. (laughs) And that was kind of even on Rockefeller, the man who eventually would be the oil tycoon, in essence, and his associates were slow to catch on for these other aspects of this petroleum that they might be worth something. And it wasn't until 1892, with the invention of the automobile, that gasoline was used to realize as a valuable fuel and by 1920 nine million vehicles powered by gasoline were on the road today gasoline is the fuel for nearly all vehicles in the united states and we even have reserves of oil and and of gasoline and and these things to help us and the point was was that something that is um, a needed part of our society today that we all use on a regular basis only a little over a hundred years ago, folks, was being thrown away because nobody knew what to do with it. Nobody understood the riches of what they had. Even more so, so many times Christians throw away their time that they could use to study the Word of God and to study Christ, not understanding what they really have. Paul says, Don't let that be you. Don't you be that person who throws that opportunity away. Understanding Christ provides many blessings, but it also provides maturity. Look at verses um, 4 through 6. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. What was Paul's purpose for emphasizing all of these riches Because there were those, he says, that would delude you, that would deceive you, that literally would attempt to beguile and defraud believers of their riches in Christ. That's what that word means. With plausible arguments, very persuasive and enticing rhetoric to draw people away from full dependence on Christ to lesser spiritual experiences. I thought of some lesser spiritual experiences that we just need to be careful of that are kind of entrenched in our society today. That little thing, and I should say the newspaper, I guess, you know, that's kind of antiquated, but that little circle or those little little weird figures, and it's called something like a horoscope, right, that so many people get involved in and looking and and are interested in, what's my sign, and what's this mean, and what's this going to mean for my future? They are, some of them think it's just a joke, But they're really, if they really take it seriously, they're getting involved in some sort of strange, almost spiritual experience that's apart from Christ. We certainly don't want to spend our time with that kind of. I thought of some other words, though, that I hear more frequently talked about in even Christian circles. And I just think that people don't really think through or know much. And I'm not saying if you've ever said this, that you're doing anything wrong, but it's something to take note of. You ever heard somebody say, I'm having a Zen moment? You hear that more frequently. Well, what does that mean, anyway? Well, what they're saying is, I'm having a relaxing, pleasurable, mysterious experience. I'm enjoying life in the moment. I'm fully enjoying it. Okay, well, if that's what you're saying, then I understand. I I get that. A relationship with Christ can provide those times as well. But, folks, that word Zen actually comes from the vocabulary of Buddhists who are hawking all kinds of spiritual experiences that we don't want a part of. So let's be careful, even in our vocabulary, that we aren't somehow promoting a spiritual experience that's apart from Christ. Here's another one. You hear a lot about yoga, and even a lot of Christians get involved in yoga. And I'm not here. If the only thing you take away from the message today is Pastor Brock talked about yoga, well, then I, I'm fair. That's not my point. But I do hear a lot of people talking about yoga today and some involved with it as a way to, even Christians, to kind of help them calm down. And even the term yoga was derived from a Hindu word, yuj, meaning to unite. The union of the individual self with the supreme self. Yoga means controlling the modifications of the mind, and it has connections that have begun through Hinduism. Another Religion with spiritual experiences that are promoted apart from Christ. You see how these things can slip into our thinking and our minds without even realizing it? We don't want to promote those things. One more thing I think will be even more applicable here, folks. Did you notice it's election season? How many signs can one person put up on a particular plot of road? It's quite fascinating, actually. It's like is there any more Ground space for one more sign, you know, because they're all plugged in there and you can't even read half of them because they're so we're plagued by these things. And they're all people for the most part that say, Trust me, depend on me, and I'll get done for you what you need to get done. Now we need to do our part and we need to pray, and we need to pray that the Lord will bless us with people that follow after his principles and that are voted into office to maybe help clean up the mess that our country is today. I understand that. But folks, none of us as believers should be depending upon any person that we're electing. Our dependence is in Christ. And if some of these folks, some of these leaders that get elected, um, stumble onto the truths of God's word and try to follow the principles or are believers and are trying to promote the principles of God's word, great. But I'm not dependent on them, and you shouldn't be either. And anyone that tries to get you to depend upon them and takes your focus off of what we have in Christ is someone that we shouldn't follow. All of these things. Paul knows that even though he can't be with them, verse 5, he's absent in body, but he is with them in spirit. What does that mean? That he's like some sort of ghost, and he visits them every so often. Out of body experience? Well, no, it's very practical. Uh, Paul is with them through the teachings of this letter that he's sending to them in the Spirit of Truth. The Holy Spirit will work, and His Spirit is is captured in His thoughts and His thinking about Christ in these words, and He literally is sending this to remind them of the right way to walk. And it's also another way to kind of quietly remind them that he has God-given authority to expect that they're going to listen to this warning. Paul's saying, I may not be with you in body, but I'm with you in spirit. So you still have the obligation to respond and to obey, to be careful, to make sure that your sustenance and your dependence is in Christ alone. At the same time, as he gives that warning, Paul is still rejoicing in their ministry discipline, their good order and firmness of your faith in Christ, the strength of faith in Christ. And as he sees the Holy Spirit doing these things, he's encouraged, it assures him, they will remain faithful. God will give them grace to see through the lies of these distractions. And he will keep them firm and faithful to the end. Because in the end, folks, how can do not be faithful when you see all of these riches that we have in Christ. Let me count up some that Paul has just mentioned in just a few words. Deep comfort of God. Unity of believers in love. Assurance or confidence. Deep experience of wisdom and knowledge of spiritual truths. Firm faith. Stable Christian growth. And Gratitude. Then add to that all the promise of access to the spiritual treasure through Christ. Is it not obvious that we are blessed people Indeed. How can you not, how can you miss that after reading all of this together? So what is our response? To learn more. To apply more. to to submit to the Spirit's work in our lives. Let him work that growth in us. Growth in Jesus is worth the commitment, folks. It's worth the toil. It's worth the struggle, as Paul says. Because a reminder of how much we have in Christ will bring a deeper comfort than anything else can. Even facing death itself. When I think of what I have in Christ, I have comfort. I have assurance in the dark valley that He's with me and He'll provide for me. Father, thank you as we just marvel at these blessings and riches that we have through a deeper understanding, uh, understanding of how to apply the knowledge of Your Word, and a deeper understanding of our relationship with you. <coughs> all that we receive. Let then it flow out of us in gratitude and appreciation and faithful servants, committed servants. And even the sacrifice Sunday as we give Lord, and as we are about ready to rejoice and celebrate uh, the work that you've done in our hearts and the amount, whatever it is that we'll announce here together. All of this represents a work that you're doing in our hearts and is one of the many riches that we have in Christ. Keep us from being distracted from all the other things. Lord, I know we have responsibilities, but when we let anything become more important than Christ, we are disastrously distracted. Let Paul's warning today help us to renew our focus. Have the right thing in our sights, and that is Jesus Christ, first and foremost, the firstborn, the one that's superior in rank, the creator, our savior, our reconciler. And let us remember that all of our treasure truly is found in him. Rejoice and celebrate that together. And let that encourage us and provide us comfort and stability and a firm footing. We'll rejoice in that together as well. All this we ask in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.